Betting Preview Podcast from Pregame.com. Pregame.com. Broadcasting straight from the Las Vegas Strip. Vegas, baby. With your host, R.J. Bell. I saw him on ESPN. Can I call Marco Daddy? VR seems wild. Miami at Pittsburgh, Thursday night ESPN action. It's my best bet. First, though, Marco, what should betters be looking at in this game? Well, the way they're going to look at this game, RJ, both teams are one and one. One team's going to come out of this game as a contender. One's going to be a pretender. I thought you were going to say one team's going to be two and one, (laughs) and one team's going to be one and two, and whoever scores the most points wins. You know, that's a good way to put it, but... uh, Seriously, if you look at these two ball clubs at the preseason polls, both were ranked in the top 25. Uh, Miami started the season at 13. Pitt started at 15. Pitt had their first game of the season on the road at Utah, and because they lost that game, a game that they didn't embarrass themselves, they lost in overtime by three, they dropped out of the polls and have not crawled their way back in, only playing one game. And if you look at what Utah has done since then, They've done nothing to uh, you Utah. Know, you mean Pittsburgh? No, Utah. The team. Oh, they lost okay, to, okay. They've gone on and beat everybody that they've played so far. All right. So that's a concept that I've been talking about a good bit in the NFL, which is when you have one game, two games, three games, only a handful of games behind you. Each game is meaningful because it's all un- it's one game of two. Mm-hmm. So that's meaningful for a handicapper. But two, it's meaningful. How has those opponents done? For example, look at Virginia Tech. That would be an extreme example. Is uh, Boise with the big win. Now Virginia Tech loses uh, a game. They were a huge favorite. It it calls into question that Boise win. What does it really mean? So your point is that Pitt, though playing very well against Utah on the road, tough game, traveling through a bunch of time zones, going west, now that Utah's look good, it makes that pit loss look a little bit better. Right. Okay. Well, let me, you know, I usually, you know, I always preach that handicapping is the aggregation of multiple concepts where there might be 10 of them on the pit side, six of them on the Miami side. When you add up both, the net result is you think the pit line's two points off, so you have a small play on pit. But sometimes... All of those numbers are about right, and there's just one thing that the, the odds maker, the, the market's not taking into full account. And I like those simple plays. Hey, the lines maker's right, except he's missing one thing. It's two and a half points. Here's our value. And here it is for me. Miami is 3 of 16 ATS after a buy. Now, let's, let's think about this a second. It's usually the other way around. Well, we know that. Though, typically, the odds makers are going to put that half a point in there off the buy or whatever that, that's going to even it out. So let's say you should be 50%. Three of 16. Now, why would that be? First, you might say, well, Miami hasn't had the same coaching staff for 16 buys. So what is, what's the meaning of this? Is this a valid trend? My point is it is. And it reminds me back in the day under Bob Huggins, there was a sharp Vegas, and this is Cincinnati basketball way back when, he would always fade Cincinnati anytime there was a game before 2 o'clock on Saturday because they had an outlaw program. They were out drinking Friday night. In early games on Saturday, Cincinnati had a lot of trouble, especially laying the big number. They were hungover, most likely. (laughs) 
I think this Miami might be similar. Miami's an outlaw program. Yeah, each coach tries to change that and all that. These are a bunch of Florida outlaws for the most part. And that might be a little extreme, but let's just say they're not, they're not, uh, uh, you know, going to study hall as much. Let's We're say. not getting any Florida fan mail. Yeah, week. well, no, it's not about Florida. It's about that program. Well, there was a whole 20 or 30 for 30 on it, the way, you know, the way that program's been. And to me, when they have a bye week, it would seem that it's not them focusing on the next game. It's not them resting up, rehabbing. It's probably them tearing it down. And you could make that, I think it's a concept that makes sense, but when you add in a 3 of 16 ATS, it really makes you think that the bye week hurts them, though it would seem the odds maker puts a little bit of premium on it. And to me, that's about the, the, the entire value, to me, on the pit side. So I'll make my best bet right now. Now, you being a Pittsburgh expert, I mean, truly an expert, I'd like to hear some other thoughts on this game. But I'm, I'm predicting, and my free pick best bet this week is going to be Pitt plus 3.5 right now. What's your thoughts? Well, for Pitt to be able to win this ball game, the game plan they got to go with is they got to go with power football. They, Miami is a team that when you look at them, you think of them as a finesse-type team. And Ohio State, you saw how Ohio State banged it on them. Ohio State ran the ball 49 times against Miami of Florida. That's a lot in a big game. Did you watch that game, Ohio State? I watched bits and pieces of it of other, of other games. I went back and looked so at I the So I guess stats. the question is, I actually had a lean towards uh, Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was surprised at how well High State played. What's your takeaway from that game? Is it Miami was a little overrated? Is High State a little bit better than we think? I think Ohio State's offense is much better than we're giving it credit for because we're always, you and me both, we always say Trestle, you know, keeps everything under wraps and plays conservative. I think he's got a little more talent this year than he's had in the last few years, and he's letting Pryor do more things this year that I think is going to open that offense up. But going back to this game, Miami has a tremendous advantage speed-wise over Pitt. You're always going to have that with the Miami athletes. Pitt needs to shorten the game, slow the game down, and I think Juan Stat's going to take this like an NFL game where he's going to play power football. You're going to see a lot of running from the, the Pitt offense and just try to wear down this Miami So is this, a, is this a correlated parlay? Now, we talk about that where if you like the Pitt side, it's better than a 50% chance it's going to go under. Does that sound right to that you? That would say, if you ask me Pitt wins the game, I don't. There's more likelihood of Pitt winning the game in a low-scoring game than Pitt winning it in a shootout. And, and that that's, that's the key to a correlated parlay. So that's interesting. I might consider that as like a unit on pit and then a quarter unit on a two-teamer pit and the under. Yeah, the one thing that there is no, val- no value to either side on, you kind of touched upon it with the bye week, but both teams have a bye week, so both teams, there's no advantage the short week with them, you know, because both teams had a bye last week. Well, that brings up two points. One is I, I don't think it's neutral because, again, Miami has trouble with the bye. But number two, typically the road team on a Thursday night, that's always a big X factor. But with the bye, it's, 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 it's that's a good word, negated. I like that. Um, one other point before we close. Line did open up at three, and now it's moved to three and a half. Um, 
Now, you could say the Sharps are on Miami, or you could say the Sharps, again, we always talk about this, on a team like Miami, they could be getting ahead of the move. They think the public's going to move this game to, you know, past three, and they figure why not get ahead of it and then buy it back later. We won't know that, but Miami is a public team, so I don't think that's beyond reason. But getting that extra hook, to me, you know, the odds makers sat and thought about it and said this game should be three. We are now getting three and a half, which is key value. I think also public perception-wise, talking sharps, you know, is one angle. The public perception of the two teams that are one and one being the fact, even though Utah's played well, Utah's not a named team, they're going to be more forgiving to the Miami loss mm. because it was Ohio State. That's a good point. That's a good point. So it's like when you have the, the premium marquee teams and the underrated teams, it not only applies to their team, the team itself, but it applies to the teams that play them, how the wins and losses are perceived. Absolutely. Good point. Now it's your turn to continue the conversation in the comments section with Marco and me. And next up, we're going to Friday night ESPN, TCU at SMU. For the best deals from trusted sportsbooks, visit pregameaction.com. For free real-time odds, lines, and scores, visit pregamelines.com. TCU at SMU, ESPN Friday night. Marco, what should betters be looking at? TCU, statement game. For a team that comes from a smaller conference that has done nothing but win the last three years and can't get over that hurdle with the BCS and the voters, when they get a chance to get on TV, you got to look to this team. This is when, if there's going to be a chance to run up a score, they will do it. Now, if, Bo- if Boise wasn't seemingly in a position of playing the BCS game, how would that affect TCU? Would be getting a lot of different attention here, right? Because there'd be talk: is could TCU go, uh, go undefeated? Would they make the BCS? It almost seems to be that Boise is making TCU an afterthought uh, when it comes to that kind of talk. Is that an advantage or disadvantage, especially uh, with them laying over two touchdowns here? To me, it, I think it's an advantage, motivational-wise, because they know that not only do they got to get over the hurdle of the, themselves because of the conference. Like you said, they're one step behind Boise in public perception right now because Boise did beat them last year in the bowl game, and Boise got that first TV game. Well, granted, as we said, Virginia Tech's now gone on. But uh, yeah, agreed that the, the, that win doesn't look as impressive, but the fact is they're third. Right. And, and it should, unless both Ohio State and Alabama go undefeated, it would seem that if they go undefeated, they're going to play in the BCS game. And there's a very good chance that... Alabama and Ohio State's not going to go undefeated. Though Alabama, Ohio State, and TCU and Boise are expected to be favored in every game the rest of the year, along with Nebraska and uh, one other, Oklahoma. So there's, uh, I think there's six in total expected to be favored the rest of the year. I think I got them all there. All right, here, now you got a projection on this game. Here's my main takeaway, and I didn't know this before I dug in. How far apart are TCU and SMU? Do you know their campuses? Um, they're it, fair, do I don't have it written down, but they're both obviously they're both in Texas, and they're Texas is a big state. It is a big state. It's actually a republic. Did you I know don't. That? I, well, you're you're the scholar, right? Scholar there, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to say thirty miles apart. So what does that mean? One, I think it it, it lessens home field. Absolutely is. You have both the ability for the fans to travel, no problem. Now it's about getting the tickets. And then number two, 
most likely, and I don't know this, so you know, maybe in the comment section we can get some feedback, they're probably going to stay in their normal bad stay at home oh, and then drive for the 30 miles. Now, sometimes coaches like to get away, in bowl games, especially even when they play near home, they like to go to a hotel to, to kind of seclude the team. I wouldn't think so in this case. But it seems like a lot of the advantages of home field, both in, in preparation and in logistics and in, in the game itself, and especially this is a Friday night game, a short week. And one of our recurring themes in, handi- in our handicapping is the fact that road teams have a big disadvantage in a short week if they weren't off the week before. Here, that is uh, uh, mitigated or lessened. Negated. Negated, that's a good word, yes. Um, okay, so what else do you see as key points in this game? Well, something that gets lost with this TCU team, when you think about TCU, you think about their offense because, I mean, they score a ton of points. They have a very, very good defense, and you're going to see that on Friday night. And if they can shut down a team like June Jones's SMU offense, which is high flying, that's you know that's going to add to the impressiveness for them. I really think you're going to see the best game of the year out of TCU. This is a game that they're going to be the only game on TV. Anybody that's watching, it's going to be. Watching. No, we know that for a fact. This is their only game no, on I'm, TV. Their only game where they're going to be the only game that Okay, day. so the only Thursday, Friday, right. okay. They're going to be center stage. So this is a big game for them. I like TCU. I actually have TCU winning the game 42-17. to 17. Okay, I would agree. You would. This feels like a statement game, and you got to think. Typically, when you're laying more than two touchdowns, it's usually the, the issue is motivation. And if you, I think it, you'd be hard pressed to think TCU is not going to be highly motivated. So if you remove one of the biggest impediments to laying a big number, which is motivation, then then it seems like there's value there. I definitely wouldn't be betting SMU. That's for sure. All right, now it's your turn to continue the conversation in the comments section with Marco and me. And in our next podcast, we'll be moving to Saturday college football.